man, this thing is big. Like, this thing is really big. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, that is a sweet hat you have right there. I got it, man. Right there. Sales Genius Network. I don't know that I'm a sales genius, but you know. You know what the key is? Hang out with geniuses and people will just... People will flock. Credit, credit by association. Yeah. Either that or hang out with really short and ugly people. One of the two. <laughs> yeah i'll take the former <laughs> um how about the math I, man um i will see i'm not i'm not talking i'm not talking until we get i'm not i know i think we're gonna have to go back to earlier uh podcasts from the beginning of the season when they were falling apart and... no i'm not i'm just i'm not you know it's like just, just... one day at a time my friend one day at a time yep so, Mike, there was a big conference you were at. I think we were all at. Oh, that's right. I was there. I don't remember. I don't remember much. You yeah, remember I'll have to it. you were working it, so you might remember more of it than me. Yeah. Wasn't out schmoozing in, everybody. Inbound nineteen in the books. Yeah, this was uh, a year. I, I, quite frankly, as I've gotten to know more of the community, and um, I. I really wish it was like a day longer. I know probably people feel like it was too short. I mean, too long. Um, I kind of feel like I had one more day. Now I had to leave early. So that was one thing. I didn't get to spend the day there on Friday, but I heard that was a little bit quiet. I was. Everybody was hung over from Thursday night. I was watching. Um, I was watching a podcast. They were doing their, you know, takeaways from, uh, inbound and and woman on there said uh i'm not gonna lie to you i was glad it was over my liver hurt (laughs) i thought that was was, you know man if it had been a day longer i'd probably still be recovering i think i I, i'm not even sure i've fully recovered yet and and not just drinking but it's like non-stop that's interesting i thought i'm well again you had you have such a different perspective than than I do. So why would you have wanted it a day longer? Like, I'm there sure was just, more a, than just hanging out at the booth. No, it, it, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of people that I wanted to see that I, one, I didn't get an opportunity to, or because we had the booth, we had to cut, you know, conversation short. Um, you know, I was text messaging with, you know, partners, customers, and they would, you know, we just kept mismatching each other or, uh, or, or missing each other. Um, and it wasn't because I couldn't get away from the booth. It was just purely that, you know, there was just so much going on. So I think that was, that, that leads to the comment of, I wish it was a day longer. Are they trying to, you know, you know, when they first started inbound, they used to show the, the growth stats and they would compare it to Dreamforce. Um, are they back to, do you think they're back to trying to make it Dreamforce? And let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, and I heard someone like I, I made a comment around it. Uh, and then I hadn't even thought about some other things. Like there were sessions and anyone listening that wasn't there you, or has never been at InBand, you might be going, what the hell are they talking about? We promise we'll get to things that that, um, that, that matter a little bit more to you. But they, they had sessions at Aloft as well as at Westin. They had they had a session in the far corner of Weston. So you know they've used the ballroom in the past, which has worked out okay. Yep. But so so I mean the set I mean so now you're in a loft like you have to cross the street to get there. Um. And you know they moved you know they they took most of a hub spot out of of club inbound. Um. You know some of that was that you know they want to make it more about inbound and less about hub spot. Though I, I agree with what someone said, you know, HubSpot can be there and not be selling HubSpot, right? So, but but my point being that, like, you know, it's always been big, it's always been spread out, but 
I realized actually two days ago that there were two people that I see all the time. I'm actually going to text one. I'm going, you, you were there, right? Because how did I get through the whole weekend? I never ran into you. And that, that never happened, but in the past, but it was like, so some of what you're talking about is, is, is some of it that it was just so spread out that people that you've run into in the past, you're not running into them as much. And, and are they spreading it out? because they're trying to figure out well in the footprint they've been in they can't get much bigger than they are so are they trying does that make any sense um is it, well it's an interesting I, I hadn't thought about that where the fact that it was so so spread out um which caused you not to run into people that, you know, you historically have, but it, it's also grown. And I mean, it just, gosh, from uh, this was my, how many, how many inbounds have I been to? Well, this was my fifth inbound. And I mean, it's grown so big. Right. Well, it's grown so big from five years ago. It hasn't grown that much the last two years. Well, I think last year, maybe what was it like 19,000 or 20,000? No, it was up. It was up in the upper twenties. Well, no, cause this year was 24,000. Well, it depends how you count the count, but it, it, it yeah. I mean, l l let me put it to you this way. I walked into um, to Brian and Darmesh's keynote. The the place, you know, seats were filled up from the front to the back. Um, that was true last year. That was true the year before, and and they haven't added. I mean, they're still in the same foot. They haven't added yet. And right. I'm not and I'm not complaining. Like I'm not saying oh they're struggling. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that in the current construct that they're in, maybe they add a thousand here, a thousand. I mean, you know, maybe you can. Do yeah, that, right. Right. I see what you're saying. But yeah. But I mean, how, how? You know, we use it uses two thirds of BCEC. Um, it, if they used more of it, it would be, um, it would be insane. Like, I mean, I've never been to Dreamforce. Have you been to Dreamforce? No, I haven't. I've never been to Dreamforce, and 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 candidly, there, I mean. There was a time I wanted to go because I'm really um, interested in that. There was also a time where I think Salesforce was a little bit more um, on the leading innovation side. You know, now they're, I'm not taking anything away from them. But, you know, they're like 80, 90, 100,000 people. Yeah, I think it's around 100,000. Right. It's basically spread out across the city of San Francisco. As, as I understand it, Dreamforce is now really eight different conferences at one place because you had yeah. – You've had these sponsors that started, you know, booking pavilions, if you will, to be like, here's, you know, hang out at our place where they have 10,000 people. Um, yeah. And and to me, like, I'm not interested in that. I know somebody who goes there because he works with a lot of those companies and he goes there. He knows who he wants to see and he goes to their pavilions. And, and that's, you know, the time that he can get all those key, you know, that they're all in, in one place. But. You know, I, you and I talked about it before, you know, club inbound had always been, you just ran into people like last year, two, 2018. I don't think I got off club inbound except for some meetings that I had specifically with, um, with HubSpot executives at, at their meeting space. I, I had an intent to, you know, to go somewhere and I couldn't get off the floor because I just kept running into people and, and that didn't happen this year. Yeah. And I mean, I probably got more steps in, so that was good. But, um, but yeah. So, uh, anyways. So, what was your takeaway? So, I only attended one session. Um, was it any good? Yeah, it was all right. It's about uh, you know flywheels and this and that, this and that. No, I'm just kidding. It was about plumbing and structure of uh, of the sales organization. It was yours, oh, though. Baby. It was, it was oh, good. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. No, we were up in the front heckling you. Um, no, I, I mean, it, again, to me, it was a, uh, as, as a sponsor, it was, it was better than previous years because you could have real conversations with people where club inbound historically was kind of like you said, the meeting place, um, which is great because it, there was always kind of like this influx of traffic, but I think you would probably agree that you had a little bit more of a voice when you came home this year than you have in previous years, because 
you were always screaming inside of club inbound to actually have a conversation where that, that, that wasn't the case this year. Um, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't have the DJs, they didn't have the uh, keynotes so loud during, um, uh, you know, playing out in the, out in, out in inbound. Um, I thought, you know, there was no difference in kind of lead quality, lead flow. Uh, the happy hours were good. One piece of feedback that I gave to them was, I wish the happy hours were longer. Um, not purely because it's free drinks, but, uh, you know, primarily that's when you saw the most traffic in, in, in club inbound and when I probably ran into the most people. Oh, so you're talking about the happy hours, not the, not the side parties. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. The happy hour inside of inbound. Correct. So what was your yeah. takeaway? I mean, so again, you, you had a little bit of a different, um, you know, obviously you had a very different experience from me because I was all over the place and you were, did, did, did you, did you have a takeaway? I mean, to some degree you heard all the, well, it's funny, you know, they didn't call them keynotes this year. They were spotlights. Everything was spotlight. Yeah. Um, so you heard all the spotlights. Um, Actually, I didn't hear one spotlight because they okay. weren't projecting it out in, in okay. Club Inbound. Uh, you didn't um, have some of the historical uh, people like Alec Baldwin, Michelle Obama, you know, people that would bring a lot of uh, folks in. I think one, one noticeable difference, I felt like there were not nearly as many kind of college students as, as there have been in years past. Years past yeah, I, seems I to have a, a tremendous amount of, you know, people in college come, they get a community pass, they want to go see someone speak, and I just, I felt like I didn't see that. All right, enough about your trade show booth. Any yeah. takeaways from a meta perspective, like what was, from a buzz, like were, were there any takeaways for you? Um, um, I mean, well, as far as buzz goes, I mean, they're clearly going all in on uh, on, on platform. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and trying to build out their, their ecosystem. And I think that was the big, um, I mean, we've already had, we've already had insight into that because we're part of that ecosystem, but that was a very clear, uh, I think they messaged that very well to, to HubSpot users. So you talked to a lot more people than I did because of that situation. And so my understanding is that roughly 30% of attendees are HubSpot users. So 70% are non HubSpot. Like, um, and, and they're clearly going all in. Um, if anyone from HubSpot is listening, I did notice that your website, your website still refers to all in one when you're promoting that you're transitioned to all on one. I think that would be a nice change to make. Um, but what, so we're hearing that much more clearly, much more consistently from HubSpot, the HubSpotters. Yep. Are you hearing that? Is that what? What's the what's the user side? What's the what's the customer side? The prospect, whether whether they're users or not, are you hearing a difference in? Did you hear a difference in how people are talking about? their tech stack, how they're perceiving platform? Are you, did you hear anything different? Um, it's a good question. I think from the, from more of the larger users slash kind of upper end enterprise customers, they're liking what they're seeing as far as like the investment and they realize, you know, they HubSpot used to sell on, Hey, we can do everything for you. Whereas now they, I think they're messaging it much better and I'm seeing, those enterprise users adopt quite a bit of tech um, and putting it into their, you know, just overall tech stack so that they can deliver, uh, you know, better experiences, et cetera, to their customers. Are, are they adopting tech or are they just buying tech? I'm just kidding. That's a cynical, it's my own <laughs> cynical brain. Um, now the, the other component too, is a lot of them are, you know, HubSpot's got a bit of an aircraft carrier to ship, you know, to ship. You know, they don't have a lot of APIs. We, we had a lot of discussions around, well, can, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? And we're saying, you know, we're waiting for the API so that we, we can provide that functionality. And I think that's the way a lot of the ecosystem partners feel as well, is that we're waiting on a lot of APIs to be, uh, to be exposed. Have you seen 
what's the last three months been like for increased API exposure? Not in, a lot for what we need. But uh, just in general, are, are they moving in the right direction or is it? Yeah, they, they are absolutely moving in the right direction and they're listening and they're, uh, they're listening and they are trying to move those things forward with, with, without question. What else are you, I mean, how, how did, how did people sound talk differently in, you know, like, again, what, what, give us, give us an insight into your head after all your conversations, what it, same as last year, same as two years ago, how are people talking differently? How are they thinking differently? Uh, attendees, I'm, or, I'm talking about on the uh, attendee side, less on the, the what HubSpot was doing side. On the attendee side, um, well, we, we obviously just had Breaker on and he talked about, you know, a lot of the challenges that sales and marketing folks are reaching, you know, there's just like uh, our digital lives are just so busy. I mean, you, you were the one that made the reference to, you know, every day when we wake up to the time we go to bed, our digital life is like walking down the street in Times Square. That's truly what it's like for everyone. And I think everybody's struggling with how to differentiate, um, how to reach their target audience. I, I think every organization is struggling with that. And so they're looking for, for they're looking for solutions or more effective ways of doing it. I think that 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 was a common theme amongst a lot of people that we spoke with. Is that different than when you were there two years ago with the booth? Is it different than last year with you just being there? Hmm. I would say. It's a, it's a good it's an interesting question. I'm trying to think of uh, a good way of putting this. I think for your less advanced marketers, they turned a blind eye to it. Like they didn't realize it was a problem. You know, your true high-end professional marketers, they they knew that was a problem, but I think everybody understands the problem today. You look are perplexed. Are, are they, um, I'm just trying to say, we got a lot of people that are listening like it's on radio. So we, you need to fill the dead air a little bit faster there, Mike. That's all. Yeah. Um, are they, are they talking about it differently or is it still, well, are they talking they, about they, it? They, 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 yes, they 100% are, they talking are talking about it differently. So like, again, I know this isn't, you know, a, a commercial for email, but two years ago when I talked to people about deliverability versus, you know, being different than inboxing, 80% of the people I didn't have to explain that problem to today because they understood it. And so they're becoming much more educated that, hey, this is a real problem and I have to address it. I, I, I would literally have long, drawn out conversations with people about that two years ago, whereas now it's a, it's becoming more of a well understood problem amongst marketers. All right. What other, any other takeaways, anything else you, I mean, so you're there, it's a great um, science experiment for you. You get to be exposed to, to a market. Um, you're coming back. What, what are you doing differently or what are you thinking differently as a result of the three days that you spent in Boston last week? This, well, again, I didn't attend any of the sessions, so I didn't really have much as far as yeah. takeaways. So I didn't have as much of takeaways of like, here's actionable items. But one thing that I truly got excited about is the fact that marketers are, are, are tending to be far smarter around um, around tech and, 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 and barriers in reaching their audience. So what do you, you, you had hundreds of conversations. Yep. Right. So you came back, your team, you got together and what are you doing? What are you do? What are you doing differently? What are you thinking differently? What are you approaching differently? 
that that have you know or what are the questions that you're pondering maybe you don't even know what you're doing differently but how did it how did it impact your thinking what are some of the ways that your thinking has been impacted for having been there it really hasn't <laughs> okay no it, it really hasn't um Again, I'm excited that people have really tried to have started to understand and embrace the problem that we solved. That, and that's that was what we took away from it was that okay, people are truly the thing that we've been preaching for years. People are now finally starting to understand. Right. So it was validation. Well, hey, great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? What, 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 okay, so that, what, what did you take away from it? What did you learn from it? What are you thinking differently? I took away a couple headaches, a little bit of exhaustion. Um, so, you know, it's funny because I have the same takeaway I have every – so I had an interesting perspective this year too. Um, so we were up with six people from the Imagine team. We had two people that were at their first inbound ever. Um, and, and so it was fun to kind of get some perspective of it through their eyes again. Um, Cause you know, you go, I mean, I've, I've, I've been there since it, before it was at BCEC. Um, you get a little jaded sometimes when, when you get to those things again and again and again. Um, and so it was fun to be able to see that. So I, I it, it's interesting cause I come, I, I know going into it every year, but I also come out every year with the observation of, man, this thing is big. Like this thing is really big. Um, I I think um, I I I left thinking the the conflicting thought of wow, there's been a lot of progress, and wow, there's been no progress. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I still see, I see people, I mean, if, if you listen to our Brinker conversation, that, that may have been fresh on my head with, with, with some of this, but I see people, they are searching for solutions. Without understanding. Well, I, and I, yes, but, but also it's like, um, I keep looking out there for the answer, right? And I don't mean I, because yeah. And 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 the reality is the answer is right here, right? I mean, like, you know. So here's here's a couple things I came back with actually. Uh, I think people are working too damn hard. I really do. Um, this is business, right? It's only business. Like we're not, I mean, it's complex, but it's not like mapping the weather system complex, right? And, and so we are, um, I had a lot of conversations with, with um, end users, for lack of a better term, and what do I need to add? What do I need to do? What do I need, you know, and it's, it's like, I don't, I don't think we can sustain this pace. Yeah, no, I, I mean, well, the, oh. the human race can't sustain this pace. Um, I mean, there's, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think people are working I've, far I think too the, hard for the same, for, 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 for the same or less results. For the result that they're getting, they're working too hard. For the results that yeah. they're getting, they're spending too much money. For the results that they're getting, they're taking too much risk. Um, I, I saw somebody that tweeted over the week last week, and and because I was so busy, I didn't have a chance to engage in 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 one of my uh, famous Twitter battles, where someone was like, "Yeah, I love this tool. It was a chat tool." Um. Friday night, 10 o'clock, I get surprised by 
I got an agreement in principle and a meeting set up to go over the details next meeting. This is awesome. And, and I remember I saw that and I thought, if that's the game, sign me up for something else. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not doing that so that like, if, if we're saying, and I don't even, I don't believe this is true. Like, I don't believe technology has changed. Humanity hasn't changed. Um, and, and, and we forget that I feel like I fear that we forget that businesses should exist to serve us. We don't exist to serve businesses or organizations. And so um, everybody's trying to figure out and squeeze out one more ounce of productivity. Um, and, and so we're like, I don't, I remember Von Haugen used to always say in his presentation, he would always drop in there somehow. He, um, we're not at the beginning of the end. We're not even at the end of the beginning, right? We're not, um, we're not, we're not in, you know, we're not even done. We might not be done with the first inning. I, I, I don't know what inning we're in, um, but I think that we're still not asking the right questions. Um, now, what's interesting was I thought Brian and, and Darmesh's keynote, I mean, I thought they crushed it, um, which I didn't think it right out of the bat. Actually, Brian's keynote has grown on me as I've, um, as I've had time. Darmesh's was like off the roof. Um, I, I had a chance to talk to, to, to Brian. He's like, there's a reason I go first. He goes, I don't want to follow Darmesh. Um, and I mean, Darmesh, who put a yeah, Darmesh, who, did you get a chance to see their their keynotes? No, I did not. You should watch. I, I mean, Darmesh, Darmesh put himself out there. He 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 told the story of the um, I think it was the five fears that we had as we went through, and it was like what we were afraid of. This is what we should have been afraid of, right? So like one of you know we're afraid of making commitments. We should be afraid of, you know, half promises right being in the middle things like that but but he told the story of you know he never learned how to swim and so he's never been comfortable on the water he's always been afraid of the water because he's been afraid of this thing called drowning um and you know he tells the story and his kid is i think he's eight years old which by the way blew me away because i remember when he showed a picture of his son his son was a baby literally um he had a great bit on literal versus figurative so, so in, we now imagine we're talking about someone says literally, I'm like, is that Darmesh literally or just regularly, <laughs> regularly, literally, right? But, um, you know, and, and he talks about, you know, his, his son um, was afraid of the water too. Like, okay, well, that's not good. And so, you know, he got swim lessons, et cetera. Then his son wanted to come, you know, so he told, and, and he, you know, it ended up where he showed the video of him basically swimming for the first time, which is, you know, and he looked like an adult that, hadn't been taught how to swim. And, and it's just like, there was a vulnerability they put out there. And, and, you know, he was like, you know, his son said, well, you gotta, um, you, know, you gotta give him the water. And he said, I'm afraid of the water. He said, no, you don't have to swim. You just have to dunk your head once. Right. Just, just dunk your head once. So he did it. And it's like, okay, now dunk it again. Okay. Now dunk it again. Okay. Now dunk it again. Okay. Now dunk your head and move your body around in whatever image you have of what swimming should look like. And that was the video that he showed, right? And it, and it was all about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. And, and I mean, there was just a really neat way. He talked about diversity um, and what he uses the example of diversity, which I think just nailed it. Uh, I, I think we're at risk that we're talking about. We, we have um, the logical side of business. We're, we're being... I realized what I realized the advantage that I, I just made a discovery about myself, Mike, on this podcast. <laughs> I just made a discovery about myself. I, I know how to bring those things out. We are, we are, we are being driven by our frontal lobe. We are being driven by our executive function brain. Um, I'm ADHD. I have an underperforming frontal lobe. That's my advantage. Um, I've never been driven by that. I've had to work to use that. And so we're so focused on efficiency. Um, 
you know, like what gets measured gets done is not a new statement. It's been around since the 1900s, at least. Um, what's funny is, you know, when I got into business and we talked about, you know, what gets measured gets done, the next thing that got said after that was, and what is easily measured is very rarely the right thing to measure. And, you know, what, what the digital age has done and what, you know, we've now created so much data that there's so much that we can measure. And so we're in this, we're in this measurement obsessed culture that, that is driving efficiency, 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 rational, rational, rational. Um, Paralysis through analysis as well. Well, I'm not, but, but not even, see, yes, but that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So, so on diversity, we talk about diversity and it's beginning to be, you know, diversity is how many women, how many, um, and I'm not, I'm not taking issue with that, but what he talked about, what he highlighted on diversity was he showed the problem that YouTube had when YouTube first came out and it was somewhere around 10 or 20% of videos were getting posted upside down. Right. And I don't mean that like you had to flip your phone to get it right. Because if you flipped your phone, it would flip it back to upside down. Right. It was uploaded upside down. The, the video was coming in upside down. Why are people uploading their videos upside down? Well, guess what they realized the problem was? The problem was nobody on the YouTube team that designed the upload was left-handed. Everyone was right-handed. So every test they ran was video that was filmed with your right hand. Well, if you're left-handed, you hold the phone upside down, right? And so you upload the video. It was, you filmed it right side up. Yeah, right, but, right. Right, and, and the point of it was no one had the perspective of a left-handed person, right? And, and, and so it, it's about diversity of perspective. Um, I both love and hate one of the themes of the conference, right? Um, we are obsessed about eliminating friction. I was joking with somebody. I said, well, if we take it to its logical extreme, you know, if there were no friction, there'd be no humanity. It takes friction to create humans. I'm just saying. I'll leave that, I'll leave, leave it to everybody's own imagination um, for the rest of that. And, and so we're in this place where, um, We're, we're losing the plot, right? And, and so it's become so easy to isolate things. So we're holding a meeting at Imagine tomorrow. And I, in having this conversation, I realized that, that um, this might be some of what's driving me. We're having a meeting at, at, at Imagine tomorrow, um, and we're, we're going to be working on a new thing around how we're um, – Generating content strategy for clients, aligning what we're doing um, with content strategy, and um, you know, as you know, the team at Imagine has grown tremendously in in, in capability over the last year, um, and you know, that's enabled me to 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 let go more and more, and to you know, in in whatever poor way I do it, to try to get myself out of the center of of so many things. And so when we were talking about you know, I was talking with Jess about, um, the, you know, that I want to have this meeting. I want to have more collaboration. I want to get more of that context. I want it. I want what we, what we're doing to be our creation, which should be better than our individual creations put together. And so I said, you know, and so she said, okay, well, what do you want the meeting to be like? Which, you know, how, how should we structure it? And I said, well, you know, it strikes me, maybe we're at the point where instead of us figuring out what the answer is, we should Ask them, what do they want? What do they need? Of course, now I'm telling you this, I'm also realizing that maybe I'm just like shooting the whole idea in the foot too, because I got, and so Jess put together the agenda. And I looked at it and I said, this agenda makes a lot of sense. It really does. And I fucking hate it. Um, and I said, this agenda makes this meeting really orderly. By the way, I realized, do you know why agendas exist? Do you know why we have agendas for meetings? To make them orderly. What? To make them orderly, so that you, so that you have an end goal or a result in mind. Correct. Well, yep. well, 
hold on. Or, I shouldn't say an end result or goal in mind, but yeah, for because yeah, that that is what the meeting is about. Is to, we we need to make the meeting more efficient. Let's have an agenda. Right. Agendas make meetings more efficient. I looked at the agenda and I realized, I said, you know what, this is trying to. I said, this is the problem with this agenda. This is trying to get us to all view content in the same way. We we probably heard somewhere that's important. That's alignment, right? But it's not alignment. It's it's cloning. Right? It's let's let's all get in the same line with how we view everything. And I'm like, that's efficient, right? That's really efficient. And it's really boring. I'm like, I don't want I want I want to recreate the water cooler. I want to purposely create water cooler moments, right? Um, when, like you and I will talk on the phone and, and you know, probably half of our conversations, probably three quarters of our conversations start out about nothing and half of those conversations end up about nothing. I mean, no, that's know, true. Yep. Right. But the other half that started off as nothing, all of a sudden something gets said. And before you know it, we're like, oh, shit, dude, I got to go to bed. Right. Dude, it's late. I got to. Right. Yeah. And, and. And we didn't plan on that. And you're and I'm like, dude, that you know what? I'm clear about this now. Right. If we had an agenda, we wouldn't have gotten there. Right. And so. We're 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 so focused on that. We're so looking out there for what's the right piece. And, you know, we talked about this um, a couple podcasts ago where, you know, after the marketing AI conference, we're, 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 we're programming the human out of humanity. We're, we're, you know, I, I was reading a book, super teams, great book, super teams recommended highly. Um, Really in line with what Darmesh was talking about. I, um, this is the guy, he coined the term, do not hire for culture fit, hire for culture add. Right? And how often do we, you know, we pray at the altar of culture fit. They have to fit. Yeah, they, 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 do, they, do they fit in the culture or, right, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And have you ever noticed that as companies get bigger, they get more and more and more boring? And and Brian talked about experience disruptors, right? And Brian talked about Netflix wins not because of what they do, but because of how they do it. Not because of what they sell, but because of how they sell it. And and if you look at Netflix, what gets what gets a talking point, it gets a bullet point, and then for every 60 seconds on that bullet point, an hour is spent on um, the algorithms. But what, what gets missed is, well, first off, they started the business, and they said, we're going to send you DVDs in the mail. You're going to pay us a monthly fee. You're going to send, we're going to send you DVDs that you could just go to the corner street and get, right? Um, we're going to mail them to you. So, you know, if you want, like, if you say, hey, let's watch this movie, you, you can't, you can't get it from Netflix. Yeah, no way. Because by right, the time you right, get it, right. you're not, right. Then they got that going somehow. And they said, let's kill that business. We're going to start streaming. And, and it was funny, for about three years, they had this huge advantage because all the studios that they got the rights to streaming for, they were all dead assets that in, in their mind were worth nothing. So when, like, I forget 
I forget the show, but it was one of the shows. It wasn't the original programming, but it was one of the shows that people watched again and again and binged on Netflix. You know, and they paid like they, they got the rights for it for like a hundred thousand dollars, because who, who was, right? Who, who's gonna watch it? Right. And, you know, it ended up it ended up being worth like a hundred million dollars, right? And and so, you know, just as they were curving up here, they said, you know what? Let's kill a business. Um, and let's let's start offering this when most people don't actually have the um, mo most people are still waiting for their YouTube videos to buffer. By the way, YouTube, let's like raise let, let's borrow a whole bunch of money, max our credit cards, but buy a whole bunch of capacity and let people upload videos for free. Not that anybody's actually filming videos right now, but we're going to let them load it up for free. W what sense does that make? It makes no sense. Right. It is not logical. It is not efficient. It is the antithesis of efficient. And, and if someone were to recommend that in 99.8% of businesses today, we would fire them on the spot. Right. Um, so, you know, I do, I, I did my program on um, reps to coach themselves, introduce the whole concept of selling velocity. You know what the number one comment I get back from smart people is? I mean, smart people who run their businesses well, the whole thing. You know what the number one comment I get back is? What's that? You know, Doug, that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it just, it sounds too hard. I, I had one person said, you know, Doug, that makes a lot of sense, but, but that's not how people think. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I thought, and, I, and I'll circle back. I thought that. Wasn't it Thomas Edison or Albert Einstein? It was Albert Einstein who said you can't solve problems from the same level of thinking you had when you solved the problem. Yeah. So, so here's what we're doing, right? We're trying to solve. Actually, this is what's happening. This should, I should have. We got to get Brinker back on so I can say this to him. We are trying to solve unsolvable problems, and by that I mean problems that have been around for a while that we haven't been able to solve using. Legacy approaches talked about as if they're revolutionary. Right. And so Interesting. That, yeah. that causes us to look out there. Right. And so I agree. So, so the point on frictionless that, that I agree with 100% is. And, you know, and it's funny because they talk about sales teams. And I know they're doing that. I mean, they got a marketing job and a sales job to do. I understand that. But they talk about sales teams. Sales teams have always been good about force. And I agree with that. Sales teams have always focused on force. You know, else, you know who else is focused on force? Marketers. They've always focused on force. Marketers haven't focused on eliminating friction. Right. You know who else is focused on force? Operators. Though operators are a little bit smarter about eliminating friction. Operators are smarter than if we can. Um, it's why they're so frustrating to sell to. It's why all these SaaS companies sell to salespeople and marketers, not to operations. Because operations realizes that, that what? Yeah, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm just agree. Operations realizes that, that if we can increase, if we can optimize our existing stuff by about 1%, and optimize is more than efficient, everybody, right? If, if, if we can reduce friction by 1% of our existing pieces, that's worth far more valuable and is far more, and is far more sustainable and is far less risky than adding some new great capability, right? And so operators don't, don't jump on the, the buzz. They don't jump on the solution. Um, as much. And, and so what I, what I left um, thinking is the answer's there. It's there. Like everybody stops searching for the answer. It's there. We, we already know it. Um, experience transformer. It's not what you sell. It's how you sell. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. It's not, it's not what you serve, it's how you serve. It's not what you measure, it's how you measure. Um, I gained a new appreciation for the flywheel. I, I, 
it, it, it's the wrong thing. By the way, they've changed the language a little bit on this. But it's, you know, it's, it's the wrong thing to talk about as the acquisition piece. As the acquisition, <laughs> right. It, it, it's right. The acquisition piece, I, I always refer to it as, you know, there's a, you know, the, 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 the water wheels. What it should really be is a water wheel. If you remember back in the 18th century, the, the, the water turbines, you know, when you had the bucket that filled up the, yeah, see, I don't like that for, for acquisition. The, the, the problem but with- the, But the acquisition component is the, is the water dumping over into the, into the wheel. We'll, we'll save that for another. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of the, um, of the, the um, you know, Jim Collins at the end of Good, you know, Good to Great. Um, he talks about the doom wheel and the fly, uh, the doom loop and the fly wheel. Right. And, you know, and, and so it's hard to get going, but once it gets going, you know, it stores energy. Like, so a flywheel stores energy. So as you pick up more velocity, it, it stores that energy and generates momentum. And so it becomes easier and easier and easier. And so from the standpoint of how the business should operate and how you should distribute energy, I'm, I'm, I'm all there. Right. The, the place where, um, and I'm excited, like I'm, I'm, I'm driving Jess crazy. I think, I've, I think I'm averaging three crazy ideas a day and she's like two thirds of them. So that's unusual. Usually I'm two crazy ideas a day and we're lucky if she likes one. Um, the, like, so, so we're talking about frictionless selling and we're talking with, with you know, in, in the right way. Um, and you know, what, what, what we're gonna be talking about is we're, ta we're gonna be talking about forced friction which is the friction areas that get in, in the way of the force that you're applying um, as opposed to the positive aspects of friction where um, I'll tell you one thing that worries me is, as a side note. Um, I, I, I think, I think the biggest customer experience problem with businesses is exit friction. Right. I think that's where, I think that's where 90% of trust in businesses have gotten um, screwed up, right? You know what I mean? Like that's where we get bait and switch. That's where we feel like we got ripped off. Is like, because um, we've all had friends that promise something and they screwed up, and that doesn't mean we're not friends with them anymore because we get the people yep. screwed up. But it's like, but don't make don't make me live with the fact that you lied to me, or or that you didn't fulfill your promise, right? Um, and and so I think it should be easy out. The danger is easy in and easy out. That's not actually a really good combination. You know why I hire people with college degrees? And I'm not saying that I've never hired somebody without a college degree, but why I value a college degree. And I'll tell you what, more and more, I value a liberal arts degree. But you know why I value a college degree? Because hmm. it takes you four years to get it. Because you have to do something for four years because you have to do some shit you don't like. If, if you wanna do something in your life so bad that you're willing to spend four years doing something that maybe you wouldn't really wanna do, but you did it for four years, you know what we used to call that? We used to call that an apprenticeship, right? You couldn't be serious about what you were doing until you paid the price. You know, why do fraternities make you pledge? Why do fraternities rush you? And I'm not saying what they do is right, but the point of it is it's the signal. It's like, if you wanna be a brother, you can't be a brother if you don't sweat. You can't be a brother if there's no price. Because if you pay no price to get in, then then how can I really count on you? That's why you know, that's why SEAL teams are so you put two SEALs together, they the trust is instantaneous. Why? Because they both paid the price, right? And and so if everything is super easy in and super easy out, then all of a sudden we're in and out, in and out, in and out. And sometimes, you know, what, what it's training us to, you know, we bitch about all these Gen Zers and millennials and we say they need to know where they're going to be. And, you know, they don't have any stick-to-itiveness, which again, I disagree with you. You've, you've heard those rants before. Well, whose damn fault is that? We're building that false promise. We're, we're, We've we're, made it too easy to get in. Yeah. No, right. I, 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 I have I, the whole frictionless selling. 
component. I, I, I'm, I'm, I am not a fan of. If you uh, dig, if you dig into it, in fairness, if you dig into it for what they're really talking about, it's actually, it's not bad. It's actually, it's actually fairly on point. Yeah. Um, but, but the point of it is that that, um, like I, I what I'm a fan of. There, there are places actually. I, I just got a big compliment from one of our best clients because, um, when he first signed the retainer, he's like. You know, Doug, this is great. You guys are going to be great. We're really excited about this. You got to figure out a couple of ways to make it easier for people to buy, for 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 us to get it. What he told me a couple of days ago is like, I got to tell you, man, I love how you package your business. I get why you, I get why that was difficult. There are there are places where we make it more difficult than we have to because if, because because if you're not willing to go through that, then then when this shit gets really crazy. Maybe you'll be willing to go through it, but maybe you won't. And what we've learned is you hit that first really important point with us in about six to nine months. And so if I'm going to, if I'm going to invest the first six, and by the way, that's when our poll begins to reduce typically. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. Right. And so if I'm going to make that investment in you, I got to, I learned, you know, I started off trying to explain it to people, but what I learned is no, they got to want it. Right. If, if, if you get what I'm saying, and so that's, you know, I, I think, you know, hard in, easy out, like that's the right way to do it. Right. We're making it. The thing that scares me is everything is really, really focused on easy in. But it is hard to get out. Um, it's hard to get out of your license. It's hard to get out. Uh, um, it, it, it's hard. Uh, I've got all this shit built up on my, um, you know, in my Java header, because, I mean, I, I just looked at one company, they'd got, they've got the script for Acton, Marketo, Pardot, Aloqua, um, HubSpot, I'm talking to the head of sales, I'm like, you know, which, I was asking, you know, what, you know, he told me they're on Salesforce, what, what marketing automation are you using it? He's like, I'm not sure if we're using any, I'm like, well, I don't know if you're using any or not, but I can tell you your website says you're using six of them. <laughs> right and 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 so you know like all those things come about and and the, the place that's missing these are all really really great ideas there's a lot of really great tech out there what what's missing is how do i do it frictionless is great it really is if, if you look at the model and you get beneath um but the problem is the friction we're going to get rid of is the easy friction to get rid of. The friction that we're not going to get rid of is the friction that, like, I've set up my sales model. We've got the, you know, we've got everything in place. It's all wonderful. We're going to be an experienced disruptor. We're going to be transparent. We're going to, right? And what happens that first month where the sales manager says we're behind goal? What is what does the sales manager do? Probably not what the frictionless model says he's supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Managers need to spend more time coaching. Yeah, they do. But how do they do it? And I don't just mean how do you find the time to do it. How do you do it? How do you do it in alignment? Um, so you know we're going to be talking about sales velocity and and you know the you know the thing that's great about about high performance sports is there's lots of avenues to get there. There's no argument about location. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you're producing or you're not. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got. And, and by the way, you're producing. You're, you're, you're marching down the field or you're not. Well, but it's actually not even that, believe it or not. It's, it's like, so baseball, everyone's gone to advanced analytics, right? The yeah. advanced analytics are not, I don't care about your batting average. Like Pedro Martinez signed a, a huge contract the year after he had a bad year. People are like, oh, traditionally that bad year would have cost him, except for the fact that every number that actually mattered, he was as he had been his entire career. It just happened like like um, balls put like batting average, that year batting average of balls in play was astronomically higher than any other year. And it meant they weren't hitting his pitches any more frequently than they had been before. It just meant that 
that year, they happened to have hit him in more more often in places where no one was there, right? And and until you had that, you know, this stupid BAPIP is what it's called, batting average balls in play. Until that metric was there, no one, um, you know, we used to say, "How hard do you throw it?" Now now they talk about spin rate, and and we make fun of it because we should, right? Because that's what you do with smart things that are new. You make fun of it. But now all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, that guy, you know, you, LeVon Hernandez, if you're a Nats fan, you know LeVon Hernandez. If you're not, look him up because that guy – so when I coached college baseball first year, our pitching coach loved hard throwers. We're coaching junior college baseball in Anne Arundel County. If you throw 90, you don't go to – I mean, if you have to go to junior college because of your grades and you throw 90, you don't go to Anne Arundel County. You go to Florida. Yeah. Because if you throw 90 – so, um, but he loves speed. So I took LeVon Hernandez's um, pitching chart, which just showed, you know, each pitch and the speed of the pitch. And I said – and, you know, one of one of the things I would do on off days is I'd go to high school and, I, you know, I'd have the radar – I still have a radar gun, by the way. Um, you know, and, and you know – I'm going to – I got I to gotta, I gotta borrow the radar gun. Bryce was telling me yesterday he wants me to get a radar gun. Right, right. Um, and, and so I showed it to him. And I said, hey, here's a guy I scouted. You want me to have him come in and um, and throw for us? 59, 63. I think he topped out at 83. Now, that 59, he threw a 59-mile-an-hour curveball where he would tell the catcher, he's like, look, when I throw that curveball, you have to stay back because you are going to be convinced that it's not going to get there. Like, you just have to know that it's – like, you have to stay back. Um, I showed it to him, and he was like – no fucking way. I said, okay, that's LeVon Hernandez, who won like 13 games in major leagues that year, right? Yeah. And, and, and so that's the place where we're, um, you know, with, with those advanced analytics that got into the not, not the what are we doing, but how are we doing it? How are we doing it? That, that's where the place – and that's the plumbing, right? And, and so I left going, you know what? This thing is big. This thing is huge. And it's not getting smaller. Um, and the demands for the game aren't getting lighter. This isn't sustainable, but it's not going to change. You and I are both fans of Moneyball, right? Billy Bean, who, who by the way, what I love about Billy Bean, right? And people forget this. Billy Bean was – a five-tool player. Billy Bean was a first-round draft choice out of high school. Billy Bean had the goods. Billy Bean is not a math major. Billy Bean is not a statistician. Right? Billy Bean grew up in old-school baseball. Right? But he didn't let his frontal lobe. He didn't let conventional thinking. He didn't let rational thinking. He didn't let efficiency drive it. What he saw was we can't play this game. This game is not sustainable for the Oakland A's. He said, if we can't play this game, how can we play we a different play a different game? Right. And if all you do is get better at playing the game that you're not supposed to play, it ain't going to work well for you. Right. We were playing the game. He was playing the game that the, that the New York Yankees, were wired in to win, right? He changed the game so greatly that the New York Yankees had to adjust how they played their game, right? That's what we got to start thinking about. You know, there were some really big companies there, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody from IBM was there, right? But, that, but inbound is dominated by small and mid-market companies. And what we got to start doing is we've got to start stopping right we got to stop trying to play their game better we got to play our game we got to change the game that we're playing to unlock our strengths and, and by the way i believe a hundred percent that's what our customers are looking for i believe our customers are looking for we we want to buy from humans we want to and, and, and that doesn't mean that i won't buy online i just want that you know, it's, it's going back to basics. It's John Nesbitt, high tech, high touch. We've got to bring the humanity back into that. And that means, you know, we got to do some crazy things. We got to, we got to, 
Um, we got to move forward and we got to get smarter about how we do things um, and, and stop obsessing so much about what we're doing. That's my takeaway from Inbound 19. That was deep. Already, Mike, I know you got to go do something. So um, we will call that a wrap. That is this edition of the Black Line podcast. Uh, for those of you listening, thanks for joining in. By the way, I believe we got coming up. Um, Hannah, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the next podcast will actually be with uh, Lou Orfanis from HubSpot to talk about. You ready for this, Mike? Friction, Friction selling. with selling. Am I right, Hannah? Is that is that correct? Is he on next week? Hannah, you can get on the microphone and you can say hi, say hi to everybody <laughs> listening to us. You don't have to just <laughs> chat it. Yes, that's correct. He will be here next week. So we got we got Lou next week coming on about uh, frictionless selling. Then I think a couple weeks later we got Kevin Dunn coming on. He's one of the key professors at HubSpot Academy. We're going to talk about the flywheel and what that really means. Um, so we're going to be pulling a lot of really good stuff um, that's out of there. Uh, we got some other people that uh, we're going to be bringing some of the guest component back to this. So you know, once again, thanks for joining us on this edition. Until next time, here is to your growth journey.